Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today, we are joined by Raven Theater Artistic Director Cody Estel and Yen actor Reed Lancaster. Raven Theater tells stories of today and the past that connect us to our cultural landscape. Its commitment to modern drama in all of its forms, as well as its first-class educational programming, have helped it remain a cultural cornerstone at the north side of Chicago for 35 years and counting. You can find Raven at 6157 North Clark. Welcome, Cody and Reed. Thank you for joining us. How are you both today? Doing well. Doing lovely. Thank you for having us. Great. So I'm going to have you each introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your background. Specifically, how did you get your start in theater? As you said, I'm Cody Estel, and I'm the artistic director at Raven Theater. Uh, I got my start in acting uh, uh, as an actor um, when uh, I was 10 years old, and uh, I was in uh, the fifth grade production of uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, where I played Ichabod Crane. Um, you which, got your head back. What'd you say? I said you got your head I back. I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I think by being in that play, it gave me the bug. And then from there on, it was like, okay, I want to have a career in this. Um, and so I acted until I was roughly 19 when I went to college to be a director. I think I knew that you have to be pretty amazing to be an actor. And I knew that I wanted to have a career in theater and sort of was like, you know, acting's not for me, but I think uh, I want to be a director. So I went to Columbia College, Chicago, and uh, I got a degree in directing. And then right out of school, I was uh, hired by Raven Theater to direct a play and uh, was hired by uh, multiple uh, larger theaters in town to uh, assistant direct. And I think between Raven giving me that one play to direct led to multiple other plays around the city that I directed. Uh, and uh, uh, assistant directing also led to working at bigger theaters and getting bigger theaters to hire me as a director. Lovely. Um, I got my start acting. Um, my family has always been a, a theater family. My parents actually met doing theater, um, but I, I got my start acting at LaGuardia High School in uh, New York City, where I'm from. <clears throat> uh, my father made me audition because I, d I wasn't taking school too seriously, and I ended up getting in, and I ended up starting uh, to care about acting, honestly. S sophomore year, I didn't really care before that. Um, and, and it was just being around like my friends and seeing my friends succeed that gave me the actual theater bug. Um, but yeah, by the time I, was, I graduated LaGuardia, I, I, had, I had been accepted to Northwestern for theater, and I headed to, headed to the Northwestern, and that's where it really fostered my, my love uh, for theater. As far as uh, professionally, this is sort of the beginning. This is the beginning of my career, which is really exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, I got to know Mr. Cody Estill through a couple of friends at Northwestern. Um, Cody taught Cherubs, a, a program uh, at Northwestern, and he called me in for the play, and I auditioned while I was still at school, and here I am. I'm very happy to be here. And are you still in your program, Reed? Uh, at school? Mm -hmm. No, I've I've graduated. You've graduated by now. And I moved back to New York City, but I'm but I'm here doing the thing. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So when we knew that we were going to do this play, the director was like, "I don't know, I don't know any young actors." And I was like, "I know some young actors," <laughs> uh, and had seen I had seen Reed act in a couple things, and uh, he'd actually come in and audition for multiple plays that I was was directing, um, and. 
though those didn't work out, I think he's an incredible talent, and uh, I'm thrilled that he's doing this play. Well, Raven Theater was founded in 1983 and moved into its permanent home at the corner of Clark and Granville in November of 2002. The building used to be a grocery store, correct? Yes, yeah? it did. Tell us a little bit more about the, the space in its current form. Sure. So, uh, obviously, I, I never experienced it as a grocery store, uh, but uh, occasionally we will have subscribers come in and who are like, I remember when this was a grocery store and I came here as and shopped and this is where i would get my meat um which is uh you know always fun to hear um now when you walk in it uh i, I mean i think if i told you that it was a grocery store you would probably be like oh i could see it but i think the great thing about it being a grocery store and then turned into a theater in 2002 is that a grocery store is pretty open uh and so all of the exposed beams are still there uh and it was basically a one long big shell that then was able to be um, renovated so that there are two spaces. So uh, there's the East Stage and then the West Stage. In the East Stage, uh, it seats 57 people. Uh, I'm sorry. In the East Stage, it seats uh, 99 people. In the West Stage, it seats 57 people, um, which gives us the opportunity to, you know, uh, have s plays that are sort of more expansive, and then we also can do plays that are pretty gritty and right in your face. Um, and then there's also, uh, if you ever pull into the parking lot, the the section of the building that is directly in front of you if you're in the parking lot is also the administrative wing. Um, so all of our offices are back there as well. We actually got a lovely tour of your offices. I don't think you were um, artistic director yet, but we worked with Raven two years ago for Arts Week and hosted kind of like a theater preview night there. Oh, yeah. And we had a tour up in the offices and it was really cool to see like above the, I believe the costume shop or the prop shop yeah. right there too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was the associate artistic director okay. at the time. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely around, uh, but not in the role that I currently am. For most of its history, Raven has produced revivals. While it continues to revive classic scripts, it has also begun to offer both regional and world premiere productions to audiences, including Raven's first commissioned play, Philip Dawkins' The Gentleman Caller, in 2018, which you directed, Cody. Tell us more about Raven's productions and how the curation process works for each season. Yeah, so I think, you know, obviously the, the, the big part of my job is to pick uh, a season. And uh, I think, you know, I think one of the things that... Um, Raven is sort of known for is is doing revivals. And when I became the artistic director, that was something that like I didn't want to run away from, but also um you can only see so many productions of Tennessee Williams, right? Mm -hmm. Uh and there are there are many writers out there today who are uh who are the next Tennessee Williams, I think. And so I think uh finding a place where um playwrights of the past and playwrights of today can both be in the same under the same umbrella um all focusing on you know the importance of the playwright i mean you know none of us are anything without the words and i think uh making sure that uh, we continue to produce revivals of uh well-known plays as well as exploring new works is sort of um where i'm at in, in uh, curating uh, seasons and Anna Jordan's Yen opened this month and is playing through May 5th. Tell us more about this production. Yeah, so, okay, so uh, a former student of mine, uh, as Reed mentioned, I used to teach at uh, Cherubs, 
was Lucas Hedges, who uh, was nominated for an Oscar for uh, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, he w- he was in the New York production of Yen, and so I went to New York to see him in this play. Uh, this was before I was the artistic director, and I saw the play and was sort of mesmerized by it and taken by it, and I thought, man, Chicago needs to see this play. This was a hit in London. It was a hit in New York, and I thought when I got the job a few months later, uh, so that, that would have been uh, February of 2017. And then in November of 2017, I got the job. Um, I had to put a season together basically in a month and a half. And so um, I went to Samuel French and sort of chased after this play and was like, you know, this is, this would be great at Raven, especially in our small theater. Uh, You know, it takes place in a uh, London flat uh, and it's two feral uh, brothers who are sort of left to their own devices. Uh, and have not been uh, particularly cared for by their uh, by their mother, um, and the play sort of uh, looks at what ha- what happens with two individuals who have not been exposed to love, and what happens when something walks into their world that may make them actually love. Um, and so, you know, this play I-, I thought was the writing in it in particular was something that I had not really. Uh, come in contact with and was just sort of mesmerized by her Anna Jordan's writing and um, and the um, uh, ferociousness of the play. And Reed, you play the character Hench, correct? Can you yes. tell us about your role? That is correct. Uh, I play Hench, who is the older brother. Um, I have a younger brother who's 13 and I am 16 years old. Um, and Hench the way I've heard our, our wonderful director, Ellie Green, describe the difference between the two characters <clears throat> um, is that Hench is, is further along in, his, in, in, in adolescence, whereas Bobby's 13. Um, Bobby has absolutely is never self-conscious about anything. He sort of just stream of consciousness, says what he, what he wants and what he thinks, whereas Hench is at the stage uh, of adolescence where you become self-conscious about every single little thing. Um, and as Cody mentioned, they haven't been particularly loved and cared for. So Hench doesn't particularly have the faculties to express his feelings, um, and which is why I think it's so compelling when um, s- something that makes him love comes into his world and he struggles with trying to express that um, in a way that he never has before. And did you decide to do the play in dialect if it takes place in a London flat? Yep. It is in um, modern London English. Uh, the, the two brothers um, speak in modern London English, which is sort of a melange of cultural influences. There's some African influences. There's some there's Cockney influence. Um, but it is how most uh, lower class uh, people in, in London speak. I don't know if Reed knows this or not, but in his uh, audition, uh, one of the reasons why Ellie was so taken with him is because she felt like he sort of had an understanding of the language that some of the actors didn't didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of that is because you lived there, you grew up there. What's yep. the story? I, I grew up. I lived there for about ten years. Um, since I was one till I was uh, eleven, I lived in West Hampstead, um, in London, and grew up there. Have a citizenship and everything. <laughs> so maybe he had a little bit of a leg up. You, a little bit. <laughs> you might have had a li- yeah, maybe a little. So I was going to ask you if you had done um, vocal coaching or um, anything like that for the role, but perhaps maybe not if you came in with some of that knowledge already. Yeah, we, we came in um, with 
uh, accents and, and our, our lovely dialect coach told us that those are great estuary accents, which is like a different dialect, um, English dialect, but we're looking for a modern London English. That's the one we want to. Um, so we've had some, we do all right, but we had, we had to sort of recalibrate what we initially thought and worked on. Um, and that's been a lovely challenge, but, but really informative to, to how the characters move and speak and uh, express themselves. There's another actor in the play. Her name is Netta Walker, and uh, her dialect in the play is Welsh. Yes. Um, wow. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there's definitely a dialect coach uh, in the room. Uh, it is an incredibly difficult accent. I can attest to that. <laughs> Welsh. And I'm just curious, you know, maybe for our listeners who don't know um, a lot that goes into theater production itself, like how long is the process from casting to rehearsals to production? How long does that process take? And kind of walk us through what that looks like. Sure. Um, Reed, I don't even remember. When was your audition? Last May, summer. May. I think it was May. Last May? Yeah. Okay, so last May was his audition. And, uh, you know, here we are now in the end of March and we're going into, uh, we'll, be, we'll be opening. Uh, and uh, the rehearsal process was about five weeks. But he's known since last May that he was going to be doing this play. Um, but uh, but 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 even before we, uh, before a play goes into rehearsal, before that there are production meetings where we're deciding what the set looks like, what the lights are going to look like, costumes, you know, dialect, all of it is all being met um, ahead of time. I think the first production meeting for this particular play was uh, roughly uh, in December. Um, so you know about. Uh, about a year in advance, um, the, the the theater company will start working on it. So this question is for both of you. Do either of you have a favorite production, either one you've seen or acted in or directed? Yeah, so you, you mentioned uh, The Gentleman Caller. I think um, The Gentleman Caller, which was the play that I directed last year, uh, was sort of... Um, in talking about how long things uh, take to get to the stage, this was a project that um, Philip Dawkins, the writer, and I basically started two and a half years before the play actually uh, came to fruition. And it all started with an idea of, wouldn't it be great if I wrote a play for Raven Theater about the night that Tennessee Williams meets William Inge, um, these two you know, very famous um, writers in American theater. Um, and the story is true that they did meet each other. Um, and why that particular play stands out, you know, and maybe this is me just being selfish, but like, you know, it was uh, critically received well. And then it ended up, it was the first play that I directed as the artistic director, and it ended up being the second highest selling show in Raven Theater history. Um, so, you know, uh, there's also something to making a brand new play that is sort of um, even more exciting than when you're doing a revival of a play. Because you know you you are you are you are so much part of the process from 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 beginning to end, and the process is so much longer. Um, Philip and I workshopped the play in Minneapolis, um, and uh, you know once it finally opened, it felt like this you know this thing that that we had been working on for literally years was finally coming to fruition. Um, but that play in particular. Uh, uh, stands out um, just because of how much work went into it, but also then how successful it was for the theater. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah. Thanks. As far as a, <clears throat> a show that I've seen, 
Um, I was going to mention this when it, when we were talking about uh, finding out I wanted to be involved in theater. I saw a production of South Pacific at Lincoln Center, um, and that was a little bit of a watershed moment for me. Uh, it was sort of mind-blowing to me that um, a Roger and Hammerstein musical could t discuss such like difficult, deep, real issues um, that I always had imagined Roger and Hammerstein musicals were sort of little ditties and there's not much of a plot but um <laughs> there's really a heavy heavy conflict in there the 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 main character is deeply prejudiced and that's the main conflict of the show and it sort of blew my mind that they were able to write about this and discuss this in the form of a musical in the 1940s when it was written and that was one of the reasons i thought hey this is pretty cool i gotta get in on this um as far as a role uh i played this this probably takes the cake um the role of henches is, is extremely a difficult emotional journey to go on, especially since, as I mentioned before, he, he doesn't really express himself. So it, it sometimes feels like the emotional journey has to be done uh, not on the text. It has to be done um, in, in just the way he is and the way you watch him change and interact and grow and react. Um, but now I'm finding out how satisfying it can be when it, when it finally does lock in and I can get the audience to go with me on the journey. Um, so this has been really challenging, but very, very fulfilling. And how was it kind of growing up in New York, you know, with such a wonderful theater scene and, and to take advantage of that? Very much so. My parents are, as I mentioned before, big theater nuts. So they were always taking me to see, to see shows. And uh, LaGuardia High School has some of the greatest high school musicals ever, ever done, honestly. The talent there is, uh, is, is bar none the, the best I've seen at any high school ever. Um, so yeah, growing up in New York, it, it, it is the theater town. It was definitely very, very formative for me, uh, wanting to, 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 to be a part of theater. Absolutely. Do you think having gone to school here and now back here at Raven for Yen that you'll look for additional work opportunities in Chicago? Absolutely. I've enjoyed being out here very, very much. Um, and I enjoy the, the feel of Chicago, the feel that the Chicago, uh, theater community has, even in my, my little taste, uh, of experience. Um, but yeah, Chicago is a lovely city and I'm excited to actually spend time around Chicago and not just hold up in uh, Evanston where Northwestern is. I think Reed's in a unique position because, you know, his family all lives in New York City and then he has so many friends here um, that that he can kind of work in both cities mm -hmm. that that not not everyone else has that uh, luxury. Um, but I think it's exciting for him. Mm hmm. Well, Cody, can you speak to Raven's education program, which includes sending teaching artists to work in other organizations and your summer camp program? Absolutely. So uh, currently, uh, we have um, the amazing adventures of Aesop's Fables running uh, during the day on top of uh, uh, the main stage show. And um, we have, you know, hundreds of uh, second to fourth graders coming through the theater every morning. Uh, to see Aesop's Fables. Uh, that's currently what we have going on. But then, as you mentioned, um, this summer, uh, we will have um, our uh, uh, summer camp, uh, where, once again, hundreds of kids come through the door. So basically, our main stage programming stops mid-June. And then at the end of June, we have a tech camp where uh, kids come in and they basically create a set uh, that will then... Uh, serve for all of the sessions of summer camp, which lasts from the beginning of July until the end of August. 
Uh, and so, which then every two weeks, uh, the sessions perform a show that they wrote themselves uh, on. And we have amazing um, uh, artists coming in to work with uh, the students. Uh, and it every summer, I mean, the watching the building literally be turned over to, uh, you know, uh, uh, hundreds of kids and our counselors is uh, an extremely rewarding uh, process to watch. And then I luckily get to watch the shows every two weeks. And let me tell you, they are a hoot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are, and some of the kids actually have gone on to be in uh, some of our shows. um, And a lot of them have gone on uh, to go to Senn High School or um, to be a part of uh, the theater community. That's amazing. Have you, have any of your kids done the Raven Theater Well, they're going to do the series of unfortunate events. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, camp this summer. Oh, that's Both great. Them will be there, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think the thing that I love so much about that program is, is that, you know, most of it, most of summer camp serves the, you know, Edgewater-Andersonville communities. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's one of the important things about the theater is that, you know, as you mentioned, it is this sort of, um, cornerstone beacon on Clark Street. You know, it's basically a whole city block. Uh, and seeing those doors be completely open uh, and uh, sort of a place for um, Edgewater and Andersonville uh, uh, young people is a rewarding experience, I think. And one interesting thing that we know uh, about your space, too, is you can actually uh, rent the lobby. Is that correct for certain events? It's a pretty big lobby. Yes, you can actually rent. Um, all of the spaces. So, you know, the West Theater, the East Theater, and the lobby, if there's ever, you know, anything that someone needs, uh, there's, we're always open to um, having the community come in. Um, I think, you know, the, the thing to think about, too, is that we have a lot of nights where there's not a lot happening, especially like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights, because, um, you know, we don't, we don't have shows necessarily. Um, so those nights in particular um, are, uh, often rented by individuals for various different things. And Reed, do you have any kind of advice for kids growing up that might have kind of the acting bug that you had and, and, and do you have any words of encouragement for them or advice? Oh my goodness. Um, find a way to, uh, focus on, on, on the craft of acting and storytelling specifically, not just yourself find a way to be a greater collaborator and a greater part of the story and the development of the story rather than just your own performance. Um, I find something that was very valuable uh, from going to Northwestern was um, I learned in my personal experience less about acting technique and more about active storytelling and how to uh, engage the audience. So that that's what I would say um, is is the most valuable thing I've had. Also, going to Northwestern and studying acting and also studying a little psychology and a little musical theater and this and that, um, taking classes and learning about the world and living life um, enriches your experience and your ability to portray someone else's experience uh, immeasurably. So I'd say, say those two things. So does Raven have anything in particular in store for the year of Chicago theater currently? And how is that helping to shape uh, your upcoming season? I would say... Uh... Other than, yes, we are participating, and um, I'm thrilled that the League of Chicago Theaters is having a a 2019 year of um, Chicago Theaters is uh, is exciting. Uh, And, you know, I I think it's I think their hope is to get at least every Chicagoan to see theater, um, I think is uh, is a fantastic uh, idea. 
you know, it's it's interesting too because like you know, in New York it when you are growing up it's like it's like in your blood that you have to go see theater. Uh that that's that's the thing that you do. Um and not that that isn't here in Chicago, but I think that uh this this initiative to try to get at, you know, at least uh every Chicagoan to go and see a piece of live theater uh I think is a uh, it's a good at least awareness that, you know, I think that Chicago uh, is is uh, equal to New York and in in the theatrical landscape. Um, and I think, you know, I think our mission is to make sure that every Edgewater individual and or Andersonville uh, ind- individual comes to Raven Theater to see a show. Um, uh, uh, and I know that, you know, the Edgewater Theater District also we are we are working uh, to try to get uh, every Edgewater individual to go in to see every Edgewater Theater and uh, Andersonville Theater, which are actually a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. Um, so uh, making, you know, trying to get everybody out to come and see theater, I think, is is a, is a good goal. And the 48th Ward's website is actually a good resource to kind of see what's playing um, during the week. Right. Right. And we've recently added a page to our website as well. I know we mentioned this a couple podcasts ago, but under the neighborhood section of Andersonville.org, there's now a year in Chicago theater page, which will mm-hmm. rotate content with everybody's upcoming shows as well. That's fantastic. And then, you know, I think um, a little bit separate of what you asked, but we recently announced our 1920 season at Raven, 2019, 2020 season. Um, and I think that in many ways, this is like the, the most, uh, uh, if, there, if there ever could be a perfect season, which there can't, this gets pretty close. Um, and so I'm really proud and uh, excited about uh, what we have programmed. Um, so the, the four plays are, um, uh, the first one is Sundown Yellow Moon by Rachel Bonds, uh, which is a Chicago premiere. This play was done at the Women's Project in New York uh, and uh, is, is uh, we're bringing it to Raven for the second production that it's ever had. It's a play with music. Um, uh, uh, the, the music is by the Banksons, if, if you know that band. Um, and part of the reason why Raven Theater gets to do the second production of it is because um, the woman who wrote it, Rachel Bonds, is a friend of mine from me having directed um, a previous play of hers. And the second um, show of the season will be uh, Who Do Love by Katori Hall. Um, you might know Katori's work. Um, she, she wrote that play, The Mountaintop, which was on Broadway uh, a few years back. And uh, Wardell Julius Clark is going to direct that. And then the third play of the season will be the revival. It'll be A Doll's House um, in, a, in a new transi- uh, translation. Um, this translation was done once before at uh, the Old Globe in San Diego. Uh, and uh, Lauren Schaus uh, will be directing uh, that production. And then the last show of the season is a world premiere, uh, Eden Prairie, 1971. Uh, which was developed uh, at the Goodman Theater. And uh, Henry Wish Camper is going to come uh, direct that play by Matt Smart. Uh, and uh, it'll be the first time that play has ever been done, um, which is always exciting. And how about for you, Reed? What are you up to after you finish this production? Oh, my goodness. Going back to New York and auditioning. <laughs> um, it, that's truly what I'm looking for. I don't have anything lined up besides a couple small gigs with uh, my theater company in New York, G45 Productions. Um, it's a collection of LaGuardia graduates. 
um, and we try and put on one main stage and a reading series uh, every every year. Um, but besides that, getting to it, auditioning and, and working, making it happen. I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, when people come and see him in this play that uh, Chicago agents are going to be reaching out and he might find himself uh, doing some more work here in Chicago than he might uh, anticipate. <laughs> um, but having seen the play now multiple times, he's truly exquisite. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. And Yen is currently running in previews right now. Um, when this airs, I believe you'll have, when is opening day specifically? Yeah, so it's in the smaller theater, the West Theater. So in the West Theater, because it only seats 57 people, we have two openings. Uh, so uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so as this is airing, uh, we'll be getting ready to do our second opening, opening night. Ooh, that's the night I'll be there. So, Well, there's a party after. You should come. I, I will. <laughs> Please, <come laughs> if along. you don't see me there, I guess you can call me out on that. <laughs> will do. Hold you to it. Well, now we've reached the point in our show when we ask our guests which Andersonville business they would like to trade places with for a day and why. So, oh my goodness, you have a Andersonville business you'd like to work at? Uh, the Middle East Bakery. Mm. I love them very, very much. Um, I just enjoy the ambiance. I enjoy the 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 grocery store attached to it, and the show waffle wrap is exquisite. <laughs> so that's the best I got. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I feel like I have to like, I have a, a, a brilliant answer. You know, actually, this is where I would want to work. I would want to work at Foresighted. I love Foresighted. I think it is my favorite store, uh, uh, in all of Chicago. Um, but I also think like, you know, sometimes directing plays could be a lot, but wouldn't it be great to just like frame people's stuff? It <laughs> seems like a great job. We'll get you and Todd together and see how you, yeah. you can be an apprentice the for the day. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. But I think I would, uh, I would definitely go and work at Foresighted. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Raven, please visit raventheater.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call Andy at 312-631-9408 or stop by the store for details.